you could use any of them. Any of them in that playlist you can use. Conservation sound. Sound should never be ignored. Episode C. But using sound is such a great way of monitoring how a species is getting on and trying to locate them. C for Cheryl Tip, Curator of Wildlife and Environmental Sound at the British Library. I think it's an absolutely crucial element of successful conservation effort. So my name is Cheryl Tip and I'm Curator of Wildlife and Environmental Sounds at the British Library. So environmental sounds, that includes what sort of things then? The environmental sounds include things like uh, rainforest atmospheres, coastal sounds, rivers, streams, rain, wind, thunder, all of those things that include perhaps a variety of species as opposed to just, say, one species on its own. It's the environment that's the focus in those recordings rather than just one particular species. So that that means there aren't any individual species recordings in the collection? There are. We've got lots of individual species recordings in the collection. In fact, that's the bulk of our collection. Anything from birds to mammals to fish to amphibians, insects. So that's why the collection is kind of split into two halves in a way. So you have the individual species recordings, which are used for certain things, and then you have the more environmental recordings, the broader recordings, which then are used for different things as well. And what sort of things do people use them for, and who uses them? A range of people use the collection, so it can go from scientists to artists to people working in exhibitions to musicians to people working with radio. And what they do, they would use them, say, for research. So a lot of our recordings, particularly the species recordings, are used in research when scientists are looking at how species are related to each other. They're looking at conservation issues with species, and using sound is such a great way of monitoring how a species is getting on and trying to locate them. So it's very much used from a scientific point of view, but then it's also it also can be applied to many other areas, you know, so they are, it's really great to use sounds in exhibitions. It sort of brings things to life really well, and it's endless, really. I mean, the way it's used, and we're continually surprised when we get inquiries, you know, because we've never encountered that particular request before. So can you give an example then of a particular conservation use that sort of illustrates how it's done sometimes? Um, Back in the 1990s, there were a a group of scientists looking at the bittern and they were trying to work out how many individuals of that species were left. And they couldn't do it by sight because of such a secretive bird. And so what they did was they took recordings from the British Library of the booming call of the bittern and they played it out into the environment and they got a response from different individuals, and they were able to, first of all, identify the fact that each bittern has its own distinctive voice. And by doing so, they were able to count how many individuals were left, and they discovered that there were about 11 individuals left across the entire UK. And if something was done soon, the species would would go extinct in the UK. And so because of um, the sound element of their research and being able to identify the fact that there are only a handful of these bitterns left, they were able to launch a conservation program, start protecting habitat, start regenerating habitat, 
and say in the past 20 years probably, the numbers have started to come back up again um, because of better management and a greater awareness of that species. And so the sound has you know, played a huge part in the success of that conservation story. What a brilliant example. I had never imagined it. That's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's great. So sounds are available then to researchers, I'm guessing since it's the British Library under an academic usage right, is that fair to say? Yeah, I mean, lots of people come to the library to sort of preview sounds, but then they can also put in a request for sounds, you know, so that they can take them away from the library or the sounds can be sent to them and they can do their research off-site, as it were, uh, rights permitting. But then the great thing about the wildlife and environmental sounds is that our donors are very generous when it comes to how the sounds can be reused. You know, most people are perfectly happy for it to be used in research or in art, for example, or radio or things like that. And so we have a lot of freedom with the wildlife and environmental sounds we have here. Sometimes greater, in fact, than say some of the music collections we have, or it's a lot easier to reuse wildlife and environmental sounds than it is other kinds of sounds. And so that's how we're able to kind of help with many different projects, whether it be a piece of scientific research or a sound installation in a gallery somewhere. And are there developments on that front as a part of Europeana as well? That's right. We've been sharing some of our content with Europeana, um, firstly through the Europeana Creative Project, which comes to an end uh, this summer, and that was trying to encourage uh, the creative industries to reuse digital content from cultural institutions like the BL in new and exciting ways. So we've been freeing up some content via that project, and then we also have another project called Europeana Sounds, which is trying to aggregate all of the sound metadata from across Europe into one place that people can easily find it, they can go back to the source and they can obtain the the content. And so that's been a really exciting project for us, certainly from Europeana Creative, because we've been able to free up several thousand recordings that people can reuse however they want. There's a SoundCloud playlist of British wildlife recordings. Now, is that partially covered by the Europeana agreement or is it, as a a casual visitor, it's hard to see what I could go ahead and use? Sure. Um, If you go to the British wildlife recordings playlist on SoundCloud, all of those recordings on there can be reused under a Creative Commons licence. Attribution is all that is needed. Eventually, we're still putting content onto the site, for this particular playlist, this particular collection, there's going to be about 600 recordings in the end of British wildlife and some atmospheres as well that can be reused. And this is the way I think the Sound Archive really wants to go. You know, we, we want our content to be reused. We want people to be able to use it wherever they are in the country and in the world. You know, we don't want people just to come to the library in London. We want them, you know, to be able to access the recordings remotely. And so we're trying to work towards freeing up more content, either through SoundCloud or through um, maybe redeveloping our British Library Sounds website as well, which is a great sort of window into looking at different areas of the Sound Archive, but it's perhaps a little bit difficult to get hold of the content through that site. So SoundCloud seemed a, a good platform to do that. 
and we'll just be adding more and more content as and when we can. And for researchers then, is it possible to sort of go to the catalogue and just get everything of, I don't know, Tapper Cayley? Pretty much. I mean, they would have to, yeah, we have to check the copyright just in case there's any that are, I don't know, restricted. Maybe they're embargoed for a particular reason. Um, but we've had researchers who say are looking at a particular family of birds and they have requested 200, 300 recordings of species within that family and they've all been digitized and sent over to them and then they've analyzed them all you know and, and, and written the paper and so we've really contributed to research and we have a nice you know growing list of publications where we've been able to help with research and it's really great to go back through it and to see the various you know how the sounds are being used certainly in a scientific way cool fantastic yeah Um, so there's something I'm sort of toying with asking people, which is contributing towards a manifesto for the use of sound in conservation. Yes. <laughs> what Would you have a contribution for that manifesto? I think, I guess our manifesto, or my manifesto, say, for the Wildlife and Environmental Sound section, is that sound should never be ignored or sort of put towards the back when it comes to conservation because you can do so much with sound, because it's so evocative, and because you can get such a response from using sound. (laughs) And you get such great results from it, you know, immediate results and measurable results. I think it's an absolutely crucial element of uh, conservation, successful conservation efforts. And I'd love to see more of our material being used in those conservation programmes, you know, and contributing to the success of those conservation programmes. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Um, so um, am I right in saying that I could use, in the podcast, I could use some of the the sounds from the British Wildlife Recordings playlist? Yes, you could. So you could use any of them. Any of them in that playlist you can use. Cheryl Tip, Curator of Wildlife and Environmental Sounds at the British Library. Sorry for the phone sound, I do see the irony, yes. The other sounds in here have all come from that British Wildlife playlist on SoundCloud. And that's Conservation Sound Episode C. Subscribe and share if you like conservationsound.wordpress.com or coffeeflavouredtea.net Feedback is very welcome.